Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. again everyone and welcome back to the front line with joe and joe joe pasillo as always joined by joe resinello and once more dear brothers and sisters let us go in to the breach on the veritas catholic radio network 1350 on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial spreading the truth of the catholic faith to the new york city metropolitan area as you know we're always going to ask you to please Download the Veritas Catholic Network radio radio network, excuse me, mobile app, so that you can have access to all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe. And please share the app with your friends. If you like our content, we are an EWTN affiliate. We have fantastic original programming. Share the station with your friends. They can listen from anywhere as long as they have the app. Um, and if you'd like to provide some feedback, you can go on VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com, and we'd love to hear from you, whether you love us, hate us, or anywhere in between. Please let us know. And finally, Joe and I are on social media at the front line with Joe and Joe. The Frontline with Joe and Joe, primarily on YouTube. Um, and we are building up our audience there, and we thank you for it. And today, we are very pleased and honored to be, to be joined by Father David Duffy. And we're going to be talking about the commemoration of Family Theater Productions' 75th anniversary. And, uh, and some of you out there may know, in another life, I used to be an actor. I used to want to be a, a Hollywood actor. Well, I'll tell you something. Father's out there with the Family Theater Productions, and they're in Hollywood. You know, they, they, uh, they're doing their good work in Hollywood, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but in the meantime, I do want to give Father, for those of you who do not uh, know him or are familiar with him, quick bio, uh, in addition to managing the day-to-day -day operations at Family Theater Productions. Father Guffey, CSC, produces, directs, and writes films for the organization. He has received uh, Gabriel, Telly, and New York Festival Awards for films he has either written or produced. He received his BA in American Studies, Master in Divinity from the University of Notre Dame, and an MFA in film production from Loyola Marymount University, where his thesis film, The Last Deal at the Mount Carroll Gun Club, was selected for the Beloit Film Festival, Milwaukee Short Film Festival, Redemptive Storytelling Festival, and International Family Film Festival. Father Guffey serves on the boards of Ave Maria Press, University of Portland, and Catholics and Media Associates. He is a member of Film Independent and the Catholic Press Association. He lives and serves in residence at St. Monica Parish in, Saint, uh, in Santa Monica, California. Father David Guffey, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe and Joe, good to be with you. Good morning. Thank good morning, you very Father. much. Good morning. Father, could you lead us in prayer? Of course. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious God, we thank you for this day. We ask your, you to send your Holy Spirit on us and all of our listeners here today. May the Spirit guide us to be wise discerners of your truth, and may the Spirit help us to put it, your truth into action with love in all that we do and say. We ask this through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father, when I uh, researched this interview and just read about you, I just said how good God is, in all honesty, because clearly he called you to the priesthood. You're a gifted person. You went to Notre Dame. I'm not just trying to say that. It's just a, a fact. You know, uh, God gives us gifts. But he also allowed you to do something you love, to write, to make films, and be a priest. He did it all. You got it all. Talk about that journey, because I think sometimes people have these misconceptions about you know, God, you know, when we when we choose to follow him, he's going to take from you. No, he doesn't take anything. He just gives you. Please talk about that. Oh, thank you for the chance to do that. I grew up in a little town in Illinois. I ended up going to the University of Notre Dame. I grew up in a Catholic family, always went to mass. My parents were active in the church, but I really found my faith at the University of Notre Dame. I went there thinking I was going to be a journalist or an attorney. 
And so I was studying in that. I was active in the campus radio station and the campus newspaper. And uh, But at Notre Dame, I found my faith. My faith came alive, got in, really involved in service activities and, and daily mass and all those kinds of things. And it just, I just, this call of the priesthood would not go away. So I said, I'll give it a try for a year. And a, a year turned into two years. And I ended up going through seminary at the University of Notre Dame with the Congregation of Holy Cross. Now, when I joined Holy Cross, I thought I was putting photography and video and those interests, I thought I was giving them up. I thought they were, you know, kind of being shelved. That's okay. I love this other stuff. It, it'll be great. A couple things happened. One is I, I, John Paul the Great, uh, St. Saint, uh, Saint Pope John Paul, uh, just influenced my life so much. And he he was giving talks, encouraging Catholics to get involved in media, and especially priests. So I started to hear that. But as a young priest, I ran a soup kitchen in Phoenix, Arizona called Andre House. And we, um, we needed to get word out, we needed to do some things in the community. And I started working with local media and getting involved in that. And I started to see the power that media could have in getting a message out to people. And so spent some time at Andre House. After that, I worked in religious formation. And all the while I was in religious formation, I was looking at how the Catholic Church was telling its story through media. At that time, there was much less than there is now. Catholic radio barely existed. Um, there were just about you know, only like a dozen you know, 12 to 20 radio outlets in the whole United States. Now there's many, many more. Thanks, God. Well, that um, after I finished serving my community in religious formation, they were encouraged me to study and I put together a proposal to study film because it seemed to me that that was the way that that was the way that people were going to shape hearts and minds and be involved in people's lives is through the moving visual image with sound. And so I got accepted at Loyola Marymount and here in Los Angeles and got an MFA in film production, then started working pretty soon after that at Family Theater. I tell you, I love making films. I love the world of creativity and I love the world of the arts, but I love being a priest. If they said, you know, you have to shelve that again and put that aside and, and you know, be a parish priest, I'd be completely happy because the the most important thing in my life and my great the great love of my life is serving the Lord as a priest. I do feel so grateful that I can be a priest and and, and at the same time try to tell the church's story through media. I think Amen. That, Father, I think that's great. It's absolutely great. And like Joe said, I mean, I wish we could, I, well, I know that's what we're doing to dispel this idea somehow that when you, when, when you look to God, when you look to Christ, that something is taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Sin is taken away. <laughs> and which is, which is, which is the, the greatest thing. Okay. But we're given so much. If we, if we have eyes to see, we could see how much we're, we're given father. Thank you for using your gifts. Okay. And I say that as someone, we're going to get into it. Okay. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you're, I hate to say it like there's a big cliched. You're, you're kind of in the belly of the beast. I mean, you're 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 in Hollywood, okay? You're you're out there, um, and and people need to understand Hollywood is not this 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 uh, monolithic community who only thinks one way. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Let's, but let's first, if you don't mind, um, Father, talk about. Who is Patrick Payton? Okay, uh, your organization, Family Theater Productions, you create family and faith-based media. You're founded in 1947 by Venerable Patrick Payton. So who's Patrick Payton, and um, how was the organization founded? Sure. Well, first of all, if you probably heard the phrase, the family that prays together stays together. Well, that was created by Father Patrick Payton as the tagline for our radio show that started in 1947. Patrick Payton grew up in Ireland. He immigrated from Ireland to the United States thinking that he was going to be a millionaire. Uh, he and his brother Joe came together. They ended up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Joe, his brother Tom got a job in a coal mine. Pat uh, ended up getting a job as a janitor in the cathedral in Scranton. And it, while he was, you know, scrubbing floors and peeling wax off pews, he discovered again his vocation. So when a group of Holy Cross priests came through doing a parish mission, he was really moved by them, asked to join them, and he joined them. And he went uh, to Notre Dame. Uh, at that time, we had a high school seminary at Notre Dame, finished high school, finished college, and then he went off to Washington, D.C., where our theologate was, uh, to do theology to become a priest. Both he and his brother did, by the way. Tom uh, Payton was also a priest. While he was at Was in Washington, 
he developed a severe case of tuberculosis, like really life-threatening. And we don't think of that anymore now very much, but back then that was a death, it could be a death sentence. And it was, it looked like it was going to be for him. He was really on his deathbed. They told him to, they brought his family in to say their goodbyes. And the priest came to visit him and said, you know, Pat, you have a relationship with the Lord and you have a relationship with his blessed mother. She'll be as good to you as you believe she'll be. If you believe 20%, she'll she'll respond 20%. If you're a 50% or 50, 80, 80. Well, he went 100% into prayer and prayed fervently. And the very next day, he felt that he had been healed. It took a while to convince the doctors to do another x-ray, but indeed, this life-threatening tuberculosis was gone. Took him a little while to recover, but he did get ordained. And as a young priest, he was so grateful to the Blessed Mother, and he wanted to repay her. At the same time, he sees that World War II is starting. Uh, this is about 1941 now. Uh, World War II is starting. Families are, are being broken up because men are going off to war and all the other stresses on family, even at that time. And he thinks, what can he do to repay his blessed mother and serve the people? And his the, what came to him was family prayer. His own family prayed the family rosary every night, the whole family together. And that helped them be unified while they were in Ireland. But still, as they each did it every day, separated from one another, they felt unified even then. So he started, the, you know, this young guy, two or three years ordained, and starts a national campaign for family prayer. He writes every bishop in the United States. He starts to do talks, and, and he, it's getting more popular. But he, he really gets the insight that radio is the way to reach people. He has a local radio show. It's really popular. He wants to do a national show. So he goes to New York and says to the mutual broadcasting system, which was the second largest network at the time, he says uh, his interest in doing a show and they say, no, but he talks them into it. He, uh, he's a very hard person to say no to, apparently. They say, well, you can do it, but you have to have a big star. You have to have a good orchestra, this and that. So he, he said, who's a big star? Who's the biggest star? And the woman said, well, Bing Crosby, for example. He said, okay. So on Good Friday of 1945, Bing, uh, Patrick Payton cold calls Bing Crosby at his home on the telephone in Beverly Hills and just asked him to be on this radio show. Bing Crosby heard him out and said, well, let me get back to you. I have to talk to my manager, but called him back on Easter Monday and said, I'll do it. So the very first radio show was on Mother's Day of 1945, and it had Bing Crosby, uh, the uh, choir from St. Patrick's Cathedral, President Truman, and just a host of other people. And it was really Father, successful. Father, I'd say that's a pretty big splash. I, I'm just <laughs> going to go out on a limb. That, I mean, that's that's pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. It, the, and part of it was naivete, and part of it was just has to be done. The, the Blessed Mother, this is for the, the Blessed Mother, it has to be done. Well, then he wanted to do it every week. And they said, well, you really should go to California and Hollywood. That's where the stars were. So he he got a ticket on a train, came to California, not knowing a soul. And th that was that was in October of 1946. By February of 1947, he had a national radio show on the second largest network in the United States. And within a few years, it was carried by over 500 stations weekly. It was called Family Theater of the Year. That's where we got our name. That And then that was part of his ministry. He did media ministry, and that turned into film and television. But then he also did huge rosary rallies. Um, as he got more known and popular, he did rosary rallies uh, all over the country. It started just doing parish missions, talks in parishes, but they got to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, there was a bishop in uh, London, Ontario, in Canada, who said, let's just do a big one outside. So they got they did it in a park outside, and there was tens of thousands of people. And that started the big rosary rallies that led him to places like Yankee Stadium. He filled it twice. Uh, the 500,000 people in Golden Gate Park in, in uh, San Francisco, and then the international rallies, where Sao Paulo had a million people and uh, Rio had a million people. The, the last rally he did was in 1987, and that had 1.2 million people, and that was in the Philippines. So That's amazing. Uh, yeah, he just he kept going and going and really was never in great health for most of his life, he, he, you know, he was not in great health. Uh, he, so amazing man. 
Thank you to that. Father David Guffey's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello were way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network. We're discussing with Father the commemoration of the Family Theater Production 75th anniversary. Joe Racinello. I was telling Father before the show, I did know about Patrick uh, Payton. I'll tell you how I get to know him. Um, I used to drive this old Irish man who I grew up with his kids. He had eight kids. They were tough as hell. I knew three of them. He was a doorman in New York City. Patrick Fahey, I loved him. Um, He worked into his 80s as a crossing guard in my town. Never drove a car. He handed me a book about Patrick Payton. It looked like a dog chewed on it. I'm not even kidding. And I read it and he was a big rosary guy. And it inspired me to be honest with you joe and i started a rosary rally on the first saturdays we've been doing it over a year and i would always tell joe this priest had a million people praying the rosary like all over the world and as a result of that book and his witness we started a little it's not we get 30 people but it's been going and it's spreading so i mean because it's the blessed mother everyone loves the blessed mother it's not like me saying anything it's let's pray the rosary and we go home and so that's my introduction to patrick payton he's an amazing human being absolutely you're sitting in 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 the shoes of greatness and he will become a saint there's no doubt in my mind how is this canonization process moving along? Because he is now venerable. He was declared venerable in uh, December of 2018. And every day we get stories of people that tell of the impact that Father Peyton had or is having on their life, including some stories where people claim that they were healed through his intercession. The church takes those very seriously. And so the some of them we've passed on to the diocese where there's been diocesan investigations or are, there are diocesan investigations. But there's some that look really promising that there would be the kind of evidence that the church requires for um, a possible miracle. So we're really hopeful that one of these um, will be authenticated to the standard. The church has very high standards, as you know. Um, that, you know, they really do want to think that, that there's no other possible reason that something could have happened. But um, but we're really hopeful that the church will recognize him as a saint and he'll be uh, beatified first uh, sometime soon. And, and and I wish people, Father Guffey, would understand. I mean, this is this is the church we're talking about. The church can't just say, "Oh yeah, they look look at what that person did." Boom, they were saying. That's what I mean. Like people have to think sometimes. There's investigations. You have to research this stuff. You have to under you have to uh, determine the authenticity of miracles. I mean, it's not it's not just something you snap your fingers. Sometimes it happens quickly. Sometimes right. these things are manifest and it happens quickly. Sometimes it takes centuries. For somebody yeah. you thought would have been declared a saint 500 years ago, right? That's right. So I wish we, you know, I'm glad you, 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 you clarified that. I mean, obviously, Patrick Payton is a holy man. Obviously, okay? And the church, in God's time, will declare him a saint, okay? We might be dead and gone by the time that happens, but he'll be a saint, all right? But what he did as an example, as Joe mentioned about the rosary, I think is, you know, is something that we could all take a lesson from. We should be praying our rosaries, not wait for a million other people to do it. We should be praying our rosaries every day. Um, Let's, Father, talk about Hollywood a little bit, okay? Um, I mentioned earlier, I I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, a a genius statement on my part to say Hollywood has gone off the deep end. It wasn't always that way. Okay. We know that. All right. Um, I make the argument father that under the production code, the greatest movies that Hollywood ever produced were made. And I, I have, and I'm born in 1967. So the production code was gone. I've seen Serpico and Scarface and the Godfather and Goodfellas and the rest of it. Okay. I don't think Hollywood should be just producing Norman Rockwell paintings. Okay. Sure. Um, but those movies that were made between 1935 and 1965 are not, let's say, just, let's say, uh, or, or you know, there's some seedy movies out there. But they fell under a certain code. And what I mean by CD, I don't I don't mean not good. Like if you look at film noir movies and things like that, mm-hmm. but they adhered to a code that was in place that was voluntary. People need to know the production code was voluntary. It did not involve government. Okay. And yet in this 30-year period, uh, there were certain 
things that Hollywood could do, which I'd like for you to explain to our audience. And at that time, also produced the greatest movies that Hollywood ever produced. That's why it's called the golden age of Hollywood. Okay. Could you talk about that a little bit and where we've come? And then maybe we'll get, we could get into how you're coping in the midst of what I think right now is Hollywood is off the rails. They're, and also, they're, Father, they're, tell everyone what the production code is. Some people may not know. Yeah, that's what that's, that's, that's what I meant. Well, it started in the 19, late 1920s as the League of Decency. And the, the, as, uh, at that time, that was probably the first time that Hollywood went off the rails was in the late 1920s. And the, the church, people in the church, lay people in, uh, especially, but including uh, hierarchy, started being very concerned about the, the, the direction that it was heading. So it's, they started to complain. And the industry took note, um, because at that time, if a bishop or a priest said, don't see this film, people didn't see the film. And, and so it, it was the an industry recognized they had to hold on to an audience. So that led to the, uh, the production code called the Hayes Code. And the Hayes Code was a, was a list of things that a film, uh, that sort of the boundaries on what films could be. And some of them had to do with sexuality, of course, but a lot of them had to do with, like, you couldn't have a situation where somebody, uh, someone who did bad things profited, you know, that, and so there was some of that. And even there were things that said you couldn't portray races, uh, different racial groups in obviously negative ways um, with now they, there still were some racial stereotypes in early films. That's there by our standards today, but you couldn't, you couldn't openly say this group of people is bad mm -hmm. or, you know, you, you couldn't use overt racial slurs in film. So there were even things like that. So the, the industry kind of codified that and adapted it for itself in part because they were afraid the government would do it. And that lasted for a long time. And really the rating system that we have today, the motion picture association rating, you know, G, PG, PG-13, that really is derived from the, the, the original um, morality codes. Um, the other thing that changed in the 50s was before the 1950s, it was assumed that every film would be seen by everybody so that every film would be seen by a mixed audience of ages and that in the 1950s you start having the phenomenon of the teenager going into a film on their own or children going to film on their own or adults having their own films and that's really when they started to say well you know some films could have a little other other elements uh, because they really aren't meant for children there's ways that we can try to keep children away from them so that's where it went that held for a while and then television also really had a code of its own up until cable, the television was probably even more strict than the production codes for film. Uh, that fell apart with, with cable because cable stations and you know that came about in the 70s and 80s weren't held under the broadcast code by the federal government, by the FCC, because um, they weren't broadcast over the airwaves. They were over private cable lines that people subscribe to in that. Now there's something of a production code, but you know, it's the it's the the P, you know, the the system, the MPAA, but it's nowhere near what it was and nowhere near the kind of sense of responsibility or or the boundaries. And I agree with you, Joe. When every most great works of art are created in an environment where there's boundaries, whether the boundaries are technological like painters that didn't have a wide range of pigments, but that were still able to be produce beautiful paintings, uh, sculptors who didn't have, you know, didn't have perfect marble, but were still were able, able to create beautiful things. And sometimes they were, you know, they were within the, the boundaries of moral um, uh, standards. But I think the greatest works of art are just where there's some set of boundaries where people have to be creative within them. Well, that's and and that's the thing. Bishop Bishop Barron always made for me what was a great analogy about rules. Okay, um, that there's always the railing against the rules. Okay, he's and he made because he's Bishop Barron a baseball analogy, but it's so appropriate. If you get a bunch of guys going out into a field, a bunch of Derek Jeters, and they have gloves and bats and balls and everything else. Okay, um, and they're just kind of like there's no rules, and you're watching it. You're going, well, what's this nonsense? It's just nothing but chaos. As soon as you put down a foul line. The game is on and mm -hmm. the foul line is a boundary. The home run fence is a boundary. The outfield fence is a boundary. The pitcher's mound, the home plate. Now you have beauty. Now you have something. Okay. And I want to say one other thing and I'm going to hand it over to Joe as far as it goes. Father, I've seen a lot of movies in my life. 
Okay, Father David Guffey joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, and we're discussing the commemoration of the Family Theater production 75th anniversary. I've seen a lot of movies, okay? Um, mm -hmm. Within boundaries, when you look at movies like, let's say, for argument's sake, The Searchers, all right, one of the greatest films ever made, just using that as an example. Searchers is not a politically correct movie. It's not an easy movie to just put into a nice, neat little box. But if you want to see an example that I would offer as a movie that falls within the production code, okay, but explores some very dark themes about human nature and things like that, that a Catholic audience could go and enjoy as a film, a great work of art, go see John Ford's The Searchers and a lot of other movies, and you'll see what Hollywood is capable of when they operate within the rules, okay? But I'm getting long-winded, Father. I know Joe wants to keep it moving, so. Father, I mean, you're operating the family theater productions in a modern-day Hollywood. It, it, you know, this is clearly not the 1930s, um, yet you're, you're doing it. And I think this is what we have to do as Catholics. That's why we started the show A Good Priest in the Bronx, encouraged us to do it. Um, and also regarding, and I want to know, how you're operating in in this environment because that's hard it's hard let's be honest to be catholic in the public square is now hard people all want to be a revolutionary you want to be a revolutionary be catholic <laughs> be catholic you're the greatest revolutionary on earth jesus was the greatest revolutionary ever talk about how you're operating in modern day hollywood it can't be easy and Father, also, if you don't mind, also describes uh, some of the productions uh, that you have going to like, give our audience a flavor of, of what kind of productions you're, you're putting out there. Sure. Uh, operating in Hollywood, I, it, it, I don't think it's ever been easy, and it's certainly not easy now, especially for people of faith. A couple of things. I would say that in terms of the, 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 the tension with Hollywood or the, the sort of the, the barriers that we find in Hollywood, there's, there's, they're of a, two different kinds. The first is an opposition in Hollywood that's ideological, where they're suspicious of your agenda, where they're suspicious of the Christian message and the Catholic message. And that, that can be fairly strong sometimes. The second one is there's a group of people in Hollywood that are essentially business people. And they want to they want to make films and distribute films that have an audience and they can make money. And that's what they're interested in. Now, the second group is a little bit in, easier to work with in some ways, because if you can convince them that there's an audience for your film, then they're, they're much more willing to partner with you. And the, the, I'll tell you the film that broke ground for every other religious film. By the way, there's been a boom in religious film and faith-based film since about 2007. Uh, but the real, but the real thing that created that was the Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's film about the last days of the you know, last days of Jesus. Tough film. Uh, it's the highest-grossing R-rated film in history. Um, but nobody thought that would do anything. He couldn't get any investors. He self-funded a lot of it. He nobody was interested in it, um, but he went ahead and made it. But he proved that people would, would watch a religious film, a religious theme film, and so that's happened. So those are some of the boundaries. Some of the hopes that I have in Hollywood is there's a lot of people in Hollywood that have that are strong in their faith. To be a, a, a Catholic in Hollywood, you have to be strong in your faith. It's sort of like you're you're sort of in mission territory, and you have to know who you are and what you believe. And so to kind of to, to kind of help people be strong in that belief and hold on to that. And there's a lot of other people that are really sympathetic to values content. I've had actors tell me, you know, I want to make films that I can be proud to show my parents, that I can be proud to take my children to, that, you know, are going to be lasting and have a, have a positive message. And so on that side, there's people in the industry that, you know, and it's important that we find them and we look for them to do that. Family Theater recently, you know, we've had a couple documentaries out. And they've done pretty well. We did a, a documentary called Pray, the story of Patrick Payton, which tells the story of Patrick Payton uh, and sort of his message of family prayer. Did it, it, it was released during COVID in theaters, so it, you know, it was what it was. But now it's been on, it's streaming on the Up TV network, and you know, uh, we're doing pair screenings, and people are finding the story and really enjoying it and, and getting something out of it. We have a sports documentary that's out called The House That Rob Built and, and some other projects like that. We've, we've done a lot of documentaries. That's a good space for us to be in, but we really wanna move and our future projects are more scripted and narrative to try to tell stories, um, not necessarily that they're overtly religious or that 
but the stories that that are true to the way that life really is that are true to the christian story the 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 arc the the process of the christian story that of that there's life there's persecution there's death there's resurrection and that that good always triumphs over evil and love wins in the end Father David Guffey joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We have to take a little break. It is radio after all. And we are discussing the commemoration of the Family Theater Production's 75th anniversary. And uh, Father, I'm going to tell you, I'm loving this conversation. I, I, I think it's great what you're doing. And I want to pick up on where, you, uh, on where we left off right after the break. Don't go anywhere. We have another segment with Father David Guffey. We'll be right back. Listen to all five of our original Veritas shows. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank, where Bishop Frank Caggiano talks about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe and Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, tune in for the only late-night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that, at 12.30, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, and we are way in the breach with Father David Guffey, and we're discussing the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of Family Theater Productions. Father, I want you to pick up um, where we left off there. You were talking about your productions, and you want to move into some more scripted material. You made a point um, about uh, faith-based films. I, a blind man you know, could see that, that, that the Christian faith, okay, little bit more kind of an amorphous term okay um christian faith-based films are on the rise now my issue from an artistic point of view is i just don't think some of them are very good god bless our protestant brothers and sisters at least they're getting it out there okay um the production value wise i think people are forgetting that okay you know and 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 i i like some of these films like god is not dead and some of these other but i feel like sometimes they're on the production value end they're they're lacking a little bit i'm happy to hear um, and sometimes I, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes it can be a little sappy. Okay. And I like what you said. In other words, the Christian message, we could get out there using this medium, telling, telling stories that, that appeal to everybody, but underneath it all represent a Catholic worldview. Is that the direction you're kind of going in with your more scripted material? It is. And, and two things, one that re represent an underlying Catholic vision of the world. But the other thing is, I look for stories where faith is an organic part of the character's journey. So that, you know, people, and we're seeing this even more in TV shows, where there's a little bit of prayer, where there's a reference, you know, you know, they show people that as a normal practice, people pray, think of the blind side, you know, the story with Sandra Bullock about the, yes. you know, not overtly a Christian film, but they show that that family clearly believed and that their belief was clearly part of the reason that they took that young man in. That's, I think that's, that's a step. Because I tell you, 15 years ago, that was hard. I had a friend that wrote for Hollywood, and she, she wrote for a, a show that was on every week, a procedural drama. And in the show, she was going to have a family say grace at, at dinner. And she thought, oh, the producers are going to take this out. And sure enough, they filmed the scene. The scene wasn't there. And she said to the producers, why would you take that out? And they said, well, nobody does that. Like nobody, like the producers didn't have in their mind that, yeah, a lot of people, you know, pray grace before they yeah, Most of the country <laughs> says grace before you have a meal. <laughs> right. So it's part of it is kind of trying to say to, to Hollywood, no, this is really part of a lot of people's lives. And more and more, they're taking it seriously. All right. Well, thank, thank you for that, Father. Joe Resinello. 
You know, you said something uh, that there are people of faith in Hollywood. You just have to be solid, but they're there. And and people like Patrick Payton, they took a chance. You said he went there by himself. You're doing that. Mm. This is what we have to do. Like, and, and this is why we started this. We have the best story in town. Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. We have the best heroes ever. They're called saints, and they come at you from every angle. People want to know about them when they really learn about them. But it's about stepping out of the boat, Father. I'll tell you, in all honesty, in my own walk with the Lord, when you put your neck on the chopping block, you take a chance, he always comes through. And and I want to talk about that a little bit, encouraging people. How does your organization encourage writers, encourage directors, encourage Catholic actors to take that chance? Look at what Mel Gibson did. He took a chance. <clears throat> he created the greatest movie, arguably, in the history of movies. No one wanted it. Talk about how your organization encourages actors, Catholic actors, directors, movie producers to put out good and wholesome stories that move the soul we have a small outreach to hollywood called prayer and pasta we have regular gatherings where people come and join us for a little meal we have prayer usually we have a speaker that's either faith formation or you know kind of professional formation so that's a modest way that we do things lots of conversations with with people about discernment about things in their career people saying i just got the script i'm looking at it i don't know if i can do it you know, do I cross a line with this? And so kind of that kind of discernment, kind of being with people in the discernment. But I tell you what, I, I, the biggest thing challenge for Christians is, is perfect your craft. And this goes to what you were saying, Joe. You know, we've got to get people, people of faith that are at the top of their craft. Um, and we have a lot, we have people that are close to that place now, but it takes years to do that. If an actor and how if you if you're called to be an actor, God bless you. It's a vow of poverty, probably <laughs> um, for for a long time. Um, Father, that's why I started. That's I at one point in my life I had to, I, I I couldn't pursue it anymore. And I'm not I'm not gonna I don't want to sound like a jerk. I'm a damn good actor. All right, I was I yeah. go back to the '90s, Lower Manhattan, Herbert Berghoff Studios, you know HB Studios, Uta Hagen. Okay, I'm a pretty good actor. I had to put food on the table. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not interested in starving, you know, you know, like do, doing the starving actor thing. I, do, but I still pay my dues to the Screen Actors Guild just in case. But the fact is, you know, you got to you got to make choices. But I, I'm sorry, Father, I cut you off. No, you're, you're, that's the that's the great challenge for a lot of people. And, and it's this it's really the same for crafty. I have a cousin who works in the industry. He's a he's a camera person, camera assistant. That's what he loves doing. But boy, he did student films and stuff for free for friends for years and years and years. Now he's established he's in the union he does one project after another but it took a long time to get to that point and the uh, and then the other the great challenge for us as faith is our evangelical brothers and sisters they do they fund things you know yeah they you know they they and i think you know right now a lot of the 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 one of the boundaries of of christian filmmaking is you're really limited with your budget so that you're limited you know, you're limited to your budget because, you know, the cost of, ever, of all, the, all the things that go on, but then also distribution. Distribution is the, is the great challenge of, of film today, even big films. Hollywood is in turmoil, everybody, secular, everybody, because nobody knows how this, the current model is going to work. And in California, we just had another big theater close uh, that's closing at the end of the month. They had the announcement this week, the landmark. But the theatrical model is gone. You know, the DVD uh, home viewing is gone. Streaming is makes some money, but much less than those other streams. So everybody's trying to figure out what distribution is going to look like. So there's some really kind of practical challenges to faith-based film. But uh, Father, real quick, but like you said, yeah. like you said, um, these are business people, okay? Yeah. And business people, okay, uh, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll, you know, they want to make a profit, no problem. You know, the Lord doesn't begrudge you your profit, okay? Um, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll figure out how the best way to make money and get out to a much wider audience, I'm sure. I'm sorry, Father, I cut you off. I think you're right. I, and I, but I think everybody's trying to figure that out right now, and it's not clear. And for the for the filmmaker, then the the to step out of the boat and finance a film, uh, you know, a million or two million dollar production, which doesn't, it sounds like a lot of money, but it's not. 
I mean, it's a very low, low budget film to do a, a million dollars for a film. Um, you know, you it it it, it you, you have to have some measure of trust in the Lord, but also in in, in weighing all the other factors of the, will this get distribution? That's why you know I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of the conversation, but no, no, the- no, Father, please. I think this is important to to just to to know what you're doing. You know, at Family Theater Productions. Sure. One of the most important things that people of faith can do is when they identify something of project that supports their values, that affirms their faith, that there that is to tell people about it, put it on your social, first of all, go to see it. And if it's in the theater, go and if you hear about a film that's um, a religious film or a Catholic film that get good, gets good reviews from trusted sources, go to see it on opening weekend. Opening weekend is still what the industry looks at as a measure of how popular something's going to be. And then tell your friends about it, because the more we can prove to people that there's an audience, the more that these kinds of projects will get made. Absolutely. So that's something really practical that people can do. Um, and or likewise, if it's on a streaming service, stream, you know, watch it and then tell people about it. It really will help get better things. And well, Father, things I'm going to hand this back over to Joe. But I, I tell you, isn't that isn't that the way? How many movies have you seen in your life? You saw because a friend said, "Hey, did you go see?" Or, "Hey, did you see?" Oh, hey, so and so came out with a new movie. I went to see it. It's great. And then you went to the theater on the next day, next weekend. We could do the same thing. We do the same thing. We should let we should let our Catholic brothers and sisters know about movies out there that maybe on the surface they think in their minds, ah, it's Hollywood. I don't want to see it. And you say, no, no, no. I actually watched it. Maybe a couple objectionable things, but overall. Good message, good movie. Okay. We're not, you know, again, we can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. If something is valuable for us as Catholics, we're open minded people. I wish we, the rest of the world would understand that. But having said that, Father David Guffey joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, we're talking about the commemoration of the Family Theater Production 75th anniversary. We're talking about Hollywood, we're talking about filmmaking. Uh, and with that, I'm handing it back over to Joe Resinello. Father, I want to go back to the production code for a moment because I think it's brilliant. And what it says, it says that we are one as a people. We're one voice, and this is what we want to see. And frankly, if you go outside the bounds, we're going to tell our people to not do it. <laughs> see, I have no problem. I'm from New Jersey. I understand that. I, I do, to be completely honest with you. We got to get back to that. Mm-hmm. We have to be the people of yes to good things and no to bad things, and we have to say it. Could the production codes or something similar like that be put in place today? And why don't we pursue such an avenue? Like, frankly, listen, you, you, you're listen, you're in it. But I, I, I mean, I'm a dad, and I see what goes on on television sometimes, and I'm just like, geez, I don't want this in my house. And I think there's a lot of people like that. Catholic or otherwise, that don't want certain things in their house. Can we get to such a place now? Because frankly, I think we need to. Uh, I, I think it could be something that we could shoot for long term, but alone in that. And I think, I think that um, the words getting out to some streaming services. The first thing, the first kind of step that seems to be happening is a lot of the studios and streaming services are developing faith-based divisions, and that's good news. But that's because they want to, you know, there's, first of all, they recognize there's an, there's an audience, but they also want to keep you subscribing to their streaming service because there's things on there that you, you might like. So that's kind of an interim. I, I think the, but the other thing I think is in, in constructive ways, we need to feedback to the, the powers that be what we do like and what we don't like. And we have to do it. We have to do it strongly, but civilly. So when there's something objectionable in a film, we need to say to people, you know, this is this is objectionable to me and to my family, and this is why. That's it. You know, not call them devils or anything like that, but just just to communicate it. You know, a couple of messages like that amplify because you know there's still ways that people take that take those kinds of messages seriously. And and now with the internet, there's all kinds of ways to do it. I'm not talking, we have to be careful not to be trolls and, you know, kind of be mean or wicked. That's, that betrays who we are, but to honestly say, you know, give feedback, I I think can, can still make a difference in what people are doing. I agree. And something I say constantly on our social media show, money talks, I'm a business person and I'm going to be honest with you. Money moves the dial. 
I'm going to tell you this right now. They all turned down Mel Gibson, but I'll tell you this. If they looked into the future, every single one of those studios would have taken that film if they knew the money. There's no doubt about that. And if Catholics, one voice, we're one church, it's universal, just said, listen, not giving you money. Sorry, I don't support that. I don't support that. It goes against my values. Do whatever you want to do. That's what moves the dial. In my view, I mean, like, and I think we have to do a better job of that. Like, honestly, and and frankly, we just don't. And it it baffles me sometimes. We do a lot of complaining as Americans. We got to sometimes, and Joe and I, got to just say, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going without. What do you what Father, do you, your comments on that, please? No, I, I think you're right. And I, I'll give you an example of something that happened in the secular realm around that. Right now, if you have smoking in a film, you had better be prepared to justify it because the sort of the secular world has said that's one of the things you can't depict in a film anymore you, because, you know, you get criticism right. you, and all that. Well, could we do a similar, and I think we have to be careful. I think that kind of a campaign would have to be really focused on, on one or two things. Um, but that's the kind of thing that could go a long way. And I tell I, I, I think I, that's where it could be effective if it was organized in that kind of a way. Because I'll tell you Father this David. too. I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say I'm a dad and I want nice things. And, and and not everybody is Catholic, but they love their kids too. And I will guarantee you, family theater productions, you put that out, people want to watch something that's decent. I think there's a market for it, Father. I really do. There's a huge, I think there's an enormous market for it. There, if, if, if your concern, not yours, Father David Guffey, joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, if the concern is money, Okay, if you give people an alternative to Hollywood that let's just say for argument's sake is is universal in its appeal, but undeniably Catholic. Okay, people are going to eat it up. Now, you give a father a choice between watching Brokeback Mountain or Rocky. He's going to choose Rocky. Okay, Mm -hmm. and and I use Rocky specifically for a reason. If you want to see the template for for a movie, okay, um, that would be that would fall under what we would consider uh in in this conversation okay a movie like that that would have a wider appeal to the to the to to to, to a much wider audience outside of catholics go watch rocky okay the movie starts with jesus christ watching over rocky the first image you see in rocky is jesus christ that's stallone telling you okay that's not arbitrary that's not by accident that's stallone god bless him he's now saying recently he's being more conscientious of his faith and everything else that's stallone telling you rocky is guided by jesus christ rocky is guided by providence okay now i just again father i go off on this because i'm very passionate about what hollywood can do okay there's an example of a movie that's one of the highest grossing pictures of all time will fall right into what we're talking about and even like remember the movie fatso from 80 do you remember the dom de louise film did you ever see that movie with uh it was um dan bancroft dan bancroft and ron carey Christ is all over the walls. They're they're like like pictures of Jesus. There's so many illustrations. He has children at the end of the movie. Like you said, Father, it doesn't have to be in your face, but that's a message. And I think people are are thirsting for it. I think you're right. And there's lots of people trying to make uh trying to make those kinds of films right now. And you know, we do you do start to see see those kinds of elements show up the quality and production values is is a huge factor they they have to have those elements and it has to be really well crafted and rocky was really for it for a film of its day was really well crafted i think people need to understand messaging of course story okay uh storyline obviously you want to have creative and entertaining stories you got to bring you got to bring something to the table you got to have talent. I want to see what your chops are. Okay. Yes, the skill and the skill level of the talent involved has to be at the highest level. Okay. Because even even lay people in the audience, they know bad acting, they know bad filmmaking. They can't tell you technically why it's bad filmmaking, but they could tell you, oh yeah, that's kind of amateurish. We have to be, and we have the talent. We're Roman Catholics in America. We have all the talent in the world. Okay. Um, if 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 we could develop a way let's say, to, to convince high, very highly skilled people, you don't need Hollywood. We can make it this way if your interest is in making money and stuff like that, okay? We, we could do this. But let me, 
Yo, again, we, 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 there's so much we could talk to you about, Father David Guffey, joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, and we're so grateful to have this conversation with you, because like I said, it's something, you know, that Joe and I are very passionate about. Let's uh, uh, pivot for a second, okay? Um, so we, we're obviously, we're talking about strengthening families. We need strong Catholic families. Joe and I on the show, Father Guffey, we try to emphasize the, 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 the building block of, of any good society, particularly American society, is not the individual. It is the family. I wish people, particularly conservatives, of which we are, okay, we're unabashedly uh, more conservative-minded, okay? The individual is not the building block. The family is the building block. The family needs to be strengthened. And we could talk about that, Father, on another show. But talk to us a little bit about what you know about CatholicMom.com. CatholicMom.com is a sister organization to Family Theater. It was started by a woman named Lisa Hendy, who's a, a devout Catholic um, Lisa's a good friend of mine. Uh, she, she and her husband live now in L.A. But um, when she was a young mom, she found that she didn't have the resources that she needed to teach her kids to supplement what they were getting in religious ed. Uh, she didn't have other ways to have conversations with Catholic moms. So she started writing and then she started attracting other bloggers to her site. And now I think they have over 100 bloggers that write and they, they do blogs, but they also do like weekly um, activity sheets for the Sunday Gospels uh, so that parents can use them in their home and other things. So it just turned into something beautiful. Uh, the Holy Cross Family Ministries, our parent organization, uh, took over an, uh, a Catholic mom probably about five years ago. So we've been running it since then. Okay, you know, Father, awesome. we talk about putting out good movies, but before any of that takes place, we have to change our hearts. There's no question about that. And that's just get, pivoting back to Patrick Payton, the rosary, the mm. family rosary. I've seen pictures of the, of families, like, like black and white pictures. I pray the rosary. Um, you know, all my kids don't join in. They're under eight. I got five of them, but we get a couple of them here and there and we're trying and, but we pray my wife and I sometimes in between changing diapers and everything else, but we do it because, and I'll be honest with you, he had a big impact on me because of that. Um, talk about his message. It's so simple. Pray the rosary as a family, because I'll tell you what, we change the hearts there. We'll start seeing better movies. People will start wanting to see better movies. It'll change the culture. It will. And because the prayer, it, first of all, it's time with one another. You're in one another's presence. And our age, you know, the, the challenge is to, you know, put down the screens and turn off the background noise and just be present to one another. And then to be present to the Lord. I, the rosary it can be is the heart of that. A lot of families I know, they'll ask, you know, each person to uh, what intentions they bring to the rosary. It's a great way to figure to hear what's on your kids' minds or for kids to hear what's on their parents' minds, who they're praying for, what they're praying for. And then, but in that time, it's in the repetition of the words, um, the words are important, but in the repetition of the words, it's, it's kind of contemplative and meditative time for the family to do something in common that's good and that people can feel like they belong. And over time, it, it can be such a way for a family to grow strong, for people to become confident in themselves. And then when they do it on their own, and you know, where, you know, where on, on, on their own time or, or they're separated from family, they can still feel that connection. So you still feel a, a sense of belonging to family when you repeat the prayer behavior and repeat the prayers even when you're alone. The brilliance of Patrick Payton is he tapped into something so simple and basic. You see, I, this is one of the themes I constantly harp on on this show. We don't have to create the wheel. The wheel's there. The church has everything. It's tapping into the basic, and nothing is more basic than Our Lady praying the rosary. You could be brilliant. You could go to MIT, or you could be a worker picking corn. It doesn't matter. You could pray the rosary and it will change your family. And he is spot on, Father. The, the family that prays together stays together. I'll go to my grave with that. It was pure brilliance. I think it's the way to change the culture. There's no doubt in my mind. That's why he's going to become a saint. That's my rant. But I think that's why he's going to become a saint. <laughs> Father Peyton's smiling right now at you from heaven. And he believes that I believe it too. I, and you, thank you for saying it. 
Father, uh, Father David Guffey joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. This has been a fabulous conversation. We have a few minutes left. Um, and again, Father, I mean, we already know that we're going to have you back at some point. You know, we're going to get you in trouble, I'm sure. But that's okay. That's what we do at the front line. We get all our guests in trouble on one <laughs> level or another, you know, because we're, we're, we're trying to, I mean, Father, are we, let me ask you a more general question. Are, are we um, wild-eyed guys, Joe and I, you know, just uh, fanatical Catholics when we say that we're involved in a spiritual battle in America? I mean, worldwide, of course, but in America in particular, and you're talking about the need for the rosary, Father Peyton, strong families and everything else. Um, help, first of all, do you agree that we're in a spiritual battle? And second of all, tell our audience, you know, some of the basics about how we could fight this battle outside of just what we're talking about, safeguarding our homes and what we bring into our homes. Uh, is there a culture war, a spiritual battle going on? Yes, there is. But one of the advantages we, we have in our time is that we know it. Really, in every age, there's a spiritual battle going on between good and evil. And the evil right now is, is just so overt that we recognize it and we recognize our need to really, um, first of all, ourselves and our families and those that we love, that we grow close to the Lord, we call one another, we hold one another accountable, we support and nurture the faith and form the faith of one another so that we can continue to try to discern evil from good and, and name them and, and be, be clear about naming them. Um, so I think this age offers particular challenges because evil is so pervasive. Um, biggest change it, you know, for some, I, you know, we, I live in a parish that has confessions every day. Amen. Uh, Amen. And, and you know what? They're packed. You know, we I say it's it. for a half hour. Let, yesterday I did confessions. I went in at five and I got out at six 30. Um, but uh, the thing that's changed for an example of, of a cultural evil is pornography. It just has changed so much of the way that people think the way that people have energy for relationships people aren't getting married they're not dating they're um and and a lot of that i think is because of the the draw of that that's an example of a cultural evil that and the kind of thing that we really have to name and stand up against because it, it can be so enticing to anybody it, it's everywhere I heard I heard uh, something interesting. That's why I, I do value social media. Father Carapi used to say the devil uses social media, so so we should use it for our purposes. Yeah. yeah. I heard a young man, a young Catholic. He was uh, on a show, um, and he said something that struck me. There were two men talking, two Catholic men talking about the rosary and pornography. And this young man made such a good point. And I never thought about it this way. He goes, "If you have a problem with pornography, and you start praying the rosary." He goes, one of two things is going to happen. Either you will continue to pray the rosary and you'll put down the pornography, or you'll stop praying the rosary and you'll go back to pornography because the two, where pornography is, the rosary cannot be. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a brilliant point. If you continue to pray the rosary, you, you could get rid of that addiction. Just using that as an example, because like you said, Father, if anybody out there is struggling with that, I would say, and you're not praying the rosary, pick it up pick it up. That young man made a very good point. The two, two of those two things, the rosary and pornography cannot exist in the same place. Now we only have about two and a half or two minutes left or so. We want to let our audience know, father. So what kind of things you got going on right now uh, on, on the production end? What can we look forward to? Um, and uh, where can people, let's say, sign a, a, an email, uh, you know, sign up with email or anything like that so they could keep up to breast on, on what you have going on? Thanks so much. Uh, best way to find out about our projects and what's going on is our website, familytheater.org, or follow us on Facebook or Instagram, Family Theater Productions. Um, we've got two films that are out, um, especially Prey has really been done well in parish screenings. It's a, it's real, it's a story of Father Patrick Payton, but it also shows families who've incorporated family prayer in their life and what it means for them. So that's doing very well. Coming up, I have a couple holiday films that are this close to production. All we need you just a little bit more funding and there a go. And then I have an animated children's series based on a popular children's book that we're working on. And then we're, we were starting a couple, a couple of projects from scratch of um, a, a project about St. Joseph and a few other things. And so we've got things in every stage of production. Um, we're just, and uh, we've got, and so we've got some good things coming in the next couple of years. Well, it's, it's, it's good to be busy. 
Father David Guffey, it's good to be busy in what you're doing and, and getting some productions out there. Joe Resinello, final question for Father. Are there any Hollywood uh, actors who are interested? Is 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 a question I I have. I think they're there, Father. Has anyone you know you know Patrick Payton had that knack to bring mm -hmm. people in? Anybody knocking on your door? Not not our door, but there's certainly people interested. And I think Mark Wahlberg is going to be really interesting to watch. He did the, the project Father Stew. I don't know if you saw it. Yes. That's, you know, tough film in a lot of ways because of the language, but honest story of a conversion story of a man who ended up becoming a priest. Mark is a man of faith and I think is one of those people that's at a point in his career where he's really looking at doing things that are more supportive of his faith. And, and and it is encouraging. And and Father, we're we're, we're open minded, okay. Um, you know, I understand about you know Father Stu, and you get a lot of voices out there um, that are like, oh well, the cursing and this and that. All right, Catholic, we're Catholics. We're not prudes. We understand the, the, the we understand people talk a certain way. We're not condoning it. We're not saying it's good. Okay, with you know cursing um, and 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 using profanity. Okay, um, it is what it is. It's an honest story about a guy who, who who basically converted his life and became a Catholic priest. Okay, is every again we're letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. Sometimes we can't do that. We're all faithful to Christ. Okay, right. I try not to curse on a daily basis. I fail on a daily basis. Okay, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Okay, so so I think you know it's not just. Um, we, we have to look and find the good, and there's a lot of it out there. You're right. Mark Wahlberg is one of those people. Father David Guffey, we have to let you go because this is radio, and we're up on a heartbreak. We're, get, we're out of here. All right? We want to thank you for coming on. And, of course, we're going to hopefully have you on again, and we'll, we'll figure out something to talk about. I'm sure it won't be hard. Um, that we love to have you on the show. Thank you, Father Guffey. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we want to thank you all out there for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 13... 50 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app at the Veritas Catholic Network Radio Network mobile app so you have access to all of our station's content. And please follow Joe and uh, Joe and I at The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. Like, subscribe, share. Do all that fun stuff. Thanks again, Father David Guffey. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.